Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arscadding coming to you live from North Carolina. We want to begin this week by making sure we are in a foundational place of being able to realize what's going on in this world. And so we we see that um, from Friday the, and over the weekend, the prophetic word Chuck Pierce pointed out about the boiling pot, boiling over. And I kind of want to add a little bit to that because um, I think that's as we're coming into this season where things are starting to um, progress and making sure we're in alignment and in a place of foundation and peace in this coming storm ahead of us is how the day the beginning of wisdom and so as we we see this i want to build on a foundation here in scripture and then kind of take a step back as to when we see this boiling over in both good and bad we'll see the fruits of those in leadership in certain positions um, in different aspects of our lives and first beginning in proverbs um, 9, yes, Proverbs 9, verse 10, talking about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So wisdom uh, and understanding, wisdom and revelation, uh, as is taught about uh, most often in the terminologies we hear together. Uh, but then I want to take a step back, or step forward more so, um, in taking a step back in Scripture, going to James and seeing something about this boiling over, and something to, with this, the beginning of wisdom um, being found in the fear of the Lord, of an understanding of when we see this boiling over, we'll understand that when the boiling over happens, where the fruit or the foundations of those boiling over comes from, in both good and bad, in the foundation of you'll know them by their fruit. And so when we jump to James 3, and we look at James here in verse 14, starting, he says, But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. And then he goes on to talk about in verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering without hypocrisy. And so we're seeing the difference between uh, seed sown in righteousness and unrighteousness. And, and I think it's quite interesting here that said, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there's disorder in every evil thing, chaos. Um another way of putting it. And so we we see this of the things about to come out, the boiling over of it's either going to be from the seeds of righteousness, meaning you're going to see 
um, a peace, a, a gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits and unwavering, or you're going to see uh, disorder and every evil thing proceeding out of um, the actions and minds and hearts of people. And so when we, we walk through um, this coming season, this boiling over, uh, reminding ourselves, you know, first repent where there may be, um, even in our own lives, uh, jealousy or selfish ambition in our lives, uh, and get in line and get back to that fear of the Father, as maybe there's some area in our individual lives where that needs to occur, and getting back in line with the heart of the Father and the foundations, and understanding that the beginning of wisdom is found in the Lord. And so when we look at things happening into today day society and in things we want to pray for and be aware of, we have to remember that what we want to pray and what uh, the reason I wanted to start with this was because, you know, I, I say quite often, um, pray for the fear of the Lord over our leaders, over the White House, over this administration, um, people who are in leadership voting for things that do affect us on an everyday level is because this is the foundation of it. And if we just kind of want to touch on it here before rounding out the new year and making sure, okay, we really understand what this principle is about, uh, hopefully we can move forward in understanding and growing and standing on this um, in the days ahead. Okay, so with that, I want to dive into the news. Um, quite a few things I want to get to today and making sure we're aware of in the days ahead. And so we see today that... Um, over this last weekend, that Katie um, Carrie Lake has made her lawsuit public. She's filed it, and she alleging intentional misconduct in lawsuits that seek to overturn elections in her loss to Katie Hobbs. Now, the big issue here is that a lot of her case is bringing up some things that happened in 2020, which for those who've paid attention and been along with us on this journey – and we followed that case with Maricopa County, um, the Board of Elections, the lawsuits um, with the court courts in Arizona, and how that did not bode well for this line of argument from Carrie Lake, unfortunately. Now, are there some problems that probably might need to be dealt with? Yes. Uh, but there is a lawsuit that I think actually has merit. And I, I want to be honest with the way this lawsuit is coming out with uh, Carrie Lake She's saying all these things of the results that might as honestly be true, but to show intentionality is, is hard because of how the laws have been changed to be in favor of those she's accusing of doing things that are no longer illegal. Um, and that's kind of the big challenge she has here. But there is a lawsuit from the Republican candidate for um, attorney general Abe Hamede, who was defeated by Chris Mayes in the race for attorney general and by about 500 votes, and that's going to a recount. But his lawsuit that he filed is different, and if from here from the AZ Central, Arizona Central, is said that it his lawsuit stood in stark contrast to the others in that it explicitly did not allege fraud or intentional wrongdoing but sought to eliminate or add votes. Hamedi claims were improperly counted. That race is headed to a recount. That that that's the lawsuit right there. Um, that Lake should have gone after. 
Um, because you have to point to something that happened. What is it that caused? Okay, if all this chaos, I don't think she's wrong in saying that this chaos existed, but there has to be a challenge with, okay, because of this chaos, what, what was the aftermath of this? The aftermath was this of whether what happened to these ballots. There's honestly nothing you can do about people leaving. Um, and in her law, in Lake's lawsuit, she's, she wants the, um, the courts to either declare her the winner or get involved, and they're not going to do that. They're, the, she's asking things that the state, the courts are not going to do. They're going to rule on the facts you present them, and if there is something that they, needs to be done, they will then suggest something to be done. But they're not going to change the outcome of, a, of an election, unfortunately. I'm sorry. That's just – that's not based in reality. And so I think this is a – We'll see the difference of the cases. Now, Hamedi, the, the AG, he has a legitimate case, but he still lost by 500 votes. That's a very, 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 very slim margin um, and why every vote matters and something to pay attention to in the days ahead. And I think a lawsuit to, again, pay attention to if these laws are going to be this way, there's going to be some problems with how votes are, are counted and or not counted. Um, so a golden court case there. Uh, more so with the um, AG's lawsuit than Lake's lawsuit, unfortunately. Um, the, the part of Lake's lawsuit was also that, you know, well, there was interference and intimidation from Hobbs because of her position and she intimidated people. The problem is, is she had every, unfortunately had every right to because it was law that they certify by a certain date, if not given a legal reasoning as to why not. The Board of Elections in certain counties weren't giving reasons, um, so that kind of falls off merit there. And then also the fact of, is there anything in the state constitution that would say that Hobbs, as a secretary of state, if she's running for governor, has to step aside? If she if there is nothing in law, then that kind of point falls off merit and her case starts to fall apart. Um, so something we want to, again, pay attention to there. Now, Last week, we paid attention to the um, case out of North Carolina, Moore v. Harper, that was heard in oral arguments before the Supreme Court. And I said we want to follow this one a little bit. And there's a – last week I was reading more of a Democratic point of view because I wanted to see and hear and understand what they're saying. And it's – and now today I want to look at a more Republican, um, conservative-leaning argument. And they're – somewhat similar but this one from the american spectator um and david carton really points out where things lie um last week it was mentioned from a left side that it was roberts kept on barrett um this this article points to uh from carton that it's more roberts and barrett so you're still having Roberts kind of be the part of the deciding factor as Cav he Carton believes Kavanaugh leans more towards standing with the states uh, than not. But even in all of this, the issue at play is that part of the argument from those trying to uphold North Carolina's constitution and prevent the courts from basically um, being an oligarch and, and deciding what they want is the unfortunate events of the the failed argument from the the state side in North Carolina from their lawyer. But I want to point this out because some interesting perspective from um, Mark Elias. If you know that name, it's going to sound very familiar. So it's interesting to see where he's coming from. 
He points out, he says this, what makes Moore so potentially dangerous is the fact that the Republicans are advancing a radical legal theory, and this is what they're making it out to be, uh, the independent state legislature theory, basically meaning that uh, where the state constitution says the legislature has a right to legislate, that the courts can't overstep their bounds and get involved where the state actually has overarching authority over it, and in North Carolina's instance, it does. He goes on to say that would limit states' courts' ability to interpret their own states' laws and apply their states' constitution to federal elections. The theory rests on the fact that the U.S. Constitution grants state legislatures the ability to set time, place, and manner of congressional elections subject to an override by Congress, basically meaning that, well, who's to stop the state Supreme Court from getting involved in interpreting their own their own cases. How could you dare not allow that? But the reality is, is the that's not the issue here. The issue here is, is that the state Supreme Court in North Carolina basically said we're going to act as a legislature because we're deeming what you did as racist um, because of gerrymandering, supposedly based upon no facts. And so he goes. He goes on to to say this. And I want to move on from this story is that uh, Elias assumes that his readers won't do their homework on the ISL theory. A little research will reveal that it is neither new nor radical. Indeed, the U.S. Supreme Court relied on it to uphold the constitutionality of the 19th Amendment in uh, Lesser versus Garnett, which challenged the right of states legislature to ratify the amendment if its constitution limited suffrage to males. The court ruled that the amendment process, if a federal function derived from the federal constitution and it transcends any limitations sought to be imposed by the people of the state. Basically meaning that the legislature has the authority in these cases. So, And then going on, um, in reality, is the final decision uh, depends on what Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Amy Coney Barrett are going to do. In other words, it comes down to Barrett. Because wherever Roberts is involved... He's going to let Kavanaugh and or Barrett or Gorsuch or anybody else take the full brunt of the force, and he's just going to decide with um, the majority. So if if right now it's 4-3, if Barrett goes with liberal justices, it's 4-4. Roberts will then most likely go with her because he's not going to be the full brunt of the force. But if she goes with um, the conservative justices, he'll fall in line with her because um, he'll make – He'll he'll hide um, behind her. That, that's just that's tends to be who he is. That's just the reality of the situation, and that's what he's pointing out here. So, uh, get breathe some little hope into this case. It also again depends on the research and things that are going to come out in the ruling moving forward, because this one will take some time, several months, um, as the expected date for the actual ruling to come out is in June. So we have a long ways to go on this case, which would be huge if the court can actually uphold the state legislatures and more so the founding freedoms and separation of powers here uh, in the ISL theory or more so back actually in the state and U.S. Constitution where states actually have preceding power over um, how elections are run both on a state level and federal level. So with that, we will move forward to this week. We see now um, the December 16th deadline inching ever closer to pass the government budget for the next coming year. Um, also, there is the Defense Authorization Act that has to go towards the Senate and actually get voted on. Most likely will happen this week. Um, 
back, I think the deadline's longer than that. But the 16th is for the actual overall, um, quote unquote, the um, the budget for the the U.S. Congress, Senate, Defense, etc. All the all the other stuff. Now, with that being said, there's a key portion that's being talked about now. It says lawmakers are scrambling to run or to come to an agreement on the bill before the end of the year, with some talks that members of Congress may need to work through the holidays to pass the budget. <laughs> Democrats are especially concerned about getting the spending bill through Congress, hoping to avoid leaving it in the hands of Republicans when they take control of the House in January. So uh, that line about them actually working through the holidays, <laughs> uh, if anybody knows anything about politicians, they do not want to miss their holidays and, and time off. Um, so they'll most likely get something done in the wee hours before December 16th, uh, as they did in September in the wee hours before the deadline in September that they kicked the can down the road before. So if they're claiming, oh, Republicans Republicans are, are, are this, Democrats are this, both sides had had the opportunity months and months and months, and honestly, over a year ago when they should have gotten it done originally, to actually pass the budget for the coming year. Um, and it's just politics being played out. The best interest for the financial backbone of the United States is that it gets delayed until the new Congress comes in, as it'll then uh, be f- force the Democrats to actually negotiate on this um, and work with Republicans. As right now, it's just Democrats thinking of what the Republicans will do and trying to add that in the bill, um, while no Republicans are really negotiating on this moving forward. So you're going to see those votes come up this week when, not necessarily sure, um, as time, things change, hasn't really been reported, as they politicians are making their way back to D.C. this morning. So um, we're seeing a lot come out on that. Now, the big, big stuff that came out over the weekend is that um, the new Twitter files 3.0 and 4.0, basically the third part and fourth part of the story, have hit the ma- the, the scales and really showed – even more so the involvement with the FBI and others within the federal government, even during Trump's presidency at the end, tail end of it, and show a lot of things. Now, you're also seeing, as the New York Post is pointing out, silence, crickets from the media after all of this, after they came out and said, well, this is just rusted disinformation, uh, Twitter's not working with anyone, um, this is just conspiracy theory, this is all this thing, crickets. Nothing. Uh, you even have um, uh, Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, saying some things that are in contradiction to uh, Jim Paskey. So there's a lot of things that are going on here. And and part of the third wave of the files came out and said um, that Twitter worked in coordination with the U.S. government to um, censor content and ultimately to on how they silenced Trump. Um, as they had meetings before, they ultimately had private Slack or chat rooms set up to monitor and to make sure they were being fast on acting off of President Trump's tweets at the time. And then when January 6th happened, all that stuff, um, a lot of claims, a lot of things being said without actually taking the time to have them investigated by law enforcement. And we're seeing that play out more and more more now. Then the fourth installment of the files go deeper into that of how it even worked um, more in hand and in sync to, again, work with FBI about how um, then 
um, Jack Dorsey was involved and was allowing this stuff, and that in reality, whoever, and Elon even said this over the weekend, he said that he was ever head of um, trust and safety, was really the CEO of Twitter because of some things that were happening around um, the child pornography instances. And during all of this revelation from Twitter, is that there was an individual who now works at Twitter who went to the Board of Trust and Safety uh, Council and asked for more resources and people to go into dealing with this child pornography issue on Twitter's site. That person was denied the access from those who formerly worked at Twitter, but then ended up bringing it up to, and other people as well, brought it up to Elon, and this is where Elon made it priority number one to deal with the child pornography and sex trafficking things on the website. And what's interesting is the fact is that um, when claims of this came out from this letter, um, from people who were no longer working at Twitter who were trying to make it seem like, well, they did the right thing, um, Elon responded and basically was saying that what they're saying is false um, and or basically what they're saying was not how the events happened, that the person who still works at Twitter and is over the child protection service uh, portion of Twitter was actually right because they're trying to make Elon look bad. And then Jack Dorsey came out and said, this is false. And then Twitter comes out and said, uh, Elon comes out and says this. He said, no, it is not. Uh, when Ella Irwin, who now runs Trust and Safety, joined Twitter earlier this year, almost no one was working in child safety. She raised this with then um, people involved, but they rejected it. Her staffing request, I made it top priority number one. And so basically blowing things up out of proportion. And, and this claim, and we talked about it last week a little bit about how Jack wants all this stuff to come out. Why? It's quite interesting. I think he thinks he'll be innocent in all this, um, but unfortunately he's not. And this is this is where um, Elon goes on to say that whoever was basically involved of the trust and safety was actually the CEO. Um, so this is really, really, really interesting stuff that's coming on. Rick Joyner, if you heard him yesterday, you're going to go listen to him. He talked about how this is blows Watergate out of the water because of how many people are involved. Um, in all of this, not just at the pres president's office, but within the FBI, DOJ, etc. You have the 51 intelligence officers coming out and, and saying things that are now being proven false. And so you're seeing the swamp reveal itself, things boiling over, per se. And so we're seeing things come to a head um, on this issue, and um, we'll... We'll see what comes out of this. You have a, um, a long report from uh, Jonathan Turley, who you know that name. Um, he has some very interesting perspectives on how um, involved in the argument of whether Jack Dorsey was actually, and I'll put the link to that here, was actually involved rather than him saying, well, I just, you know, whatever happened, happened. He, he still allowed it. And if, if he wasn't aware of it, he should have been aware of it as he was the CEO. And some things that happened under his watch um, were quite interesting, which leads to the final portion of this is that with all of this stuff coming out, now the January 6th panel, and this goes to Chris Reed's word about how the January 6th stuff will come more into light. They're going to now start working with the DOJ to pause as partners to go after Trump. 
in part of this whole January 6th stuff. Now, what does that mean moving forward as far as when Republicans take control? Does this then show even more so the relationship they have there? Um, as you're seeing Kevin McCarthy come out and say, look, we're going to go after the 51 intelligence veterans who were involved in the Hunter probe. And the reality of this is we're seeing where what Chris is seeing and prophesying, really the foundation is being laid right now. Um, and with all the arguments and, and the disagreements between who should be House Leader and the Republicans and, and this and that, it looks like it's laying out where whoever is, whether it's McCarthy or somebody, they're going to go after investigate this stuff at Twitter. And just this is one of those things where the beginning of wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. And we have to rely upon that in the days ahead and, and be at a place of peace where even if, you know, in our own hearts, we feel like the, the f full truth or full justice um, doesn't come out in, in our time. It doesn't mean that it's not going to occur because um, eventually the Lord, his justice will come as we see in Daniel 7 and in Revelations where the Lord will take his seat. The Ancient of Days will take his seat. He'll sit on the throne and his justice will reign down. But that also means where there's things that we're not covered for. We're not having that fear of the Lord. Um, that we could get caught up in that as well. And so we want to remind ourselves of this. Is Okay, yes, this seems like a great thing. But let's also, where, where are the things in our own lives? And, and if you listen to Pastor Regis Richards yesterday at our sermon, he was talking about that. Like, look. You can, you can want all these things over here in the White House, but at the end of the day, it's still you got to start focusing first on your house. And then once you have your house in order, your finances, etc., then you go out and start taking territory. And I think that's where we need to, to during this season, which tends to bring about reflection and contemplation in a good way, the holiday seasons with family, whether you know you have a great relationship or it's a challenging one, is to allow time to be able to reflect on what the Lord is doing in your life or how involved and in, in, in relationship, a close relationship you have with the Lord, and hopefully to take this season to get in that place as things start to boil over. Let it, let it, let it just roll off and get in that place with the Lord where we can be at a place where we check our emotions at the door, understanding that we need to be at a place where the seeds of righteousness that bring peace and gentleness to us can start to gain fruit and not focus on the things that are self-ambitious, that cause us anger, frustration, emotions of evil to, to arise and come out um, and just really walk in the, the season ahead in a place of peace with the Lord. So with that, I want to close... Um, just a few things going on this week we want to pay attention to, and also today we want to continue on our journey of going through Chris Reed and other prophetic words um, for the season ahead during our noon prayer, so don't forget to follow us and watch us there. And also, as always, again, if we ever are kicked off of Facebook, don't forget we are on Rumble, as we will continue to always go up on Rumble no matter what Facebook and or YouTube tries to do. So blessings to each and every one of you, and I will see you guys at noon. Blessings. Have a good one.